on the internet to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God upon which we base our message this morning on this fifth Sunday in Lent is um, from the Old Testament and some from the Gospel reading. From the Old Testament, Jeremiah. Because I will forgive their wickedness and I will no longer hold their sins against them, I will make a new promise to Israel and Judah. And from Mark chapter 10. But that's not the way it's going to be among you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ who came to serve so that you and I might serve him in heaven forever. My beloved. When it comes to membership in God's kingdom, everything is completely upside down from the way the world thinks. This morning we want to listen to both Jeremiah and to Jesus as they remind us that in God's kingdom, it's not a two-sided contract, but a one-sided contract. In God's kingdom, it is not obligation, but opportunity. And in God's kingdom, it is not selfishness, but selflessness. Not a review, because... Uh, Jeremiah lived so many years ago. He actually lived 600 years before Christ was born. Uh, sometimes he has been known as the weeping prophet. In fact, after God called him to be a prophet, I don't know if Jeremiah smiled at all again for the rest of his life. It was a job I wouldn't want. I mean, he was thrown into prison. He was beaten. People wanted to kill him. Finally, he sort of disappears. People say, well, did he go down to Egypt or where was he? Just don't hear of him ever again. But he was hated because the people of Judah didn't want to hear the message that he was preaching. He said, because of your disobedience, unless you repent, your whole capital city here in Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. Your country is going to be destroyed and you're going to be taken away as captive to another land. And they didn't want to listen to that. And it happened. And then Jeremiah prophesied to the people and he said, you know, you're going to be over there for 70 years. They said, that's too long of a time. We don't believe that either. He chastised the people for their disobedience to God. Adultery, idolatry, thievery, indulgence in wealth and materialism, debauchery, laziness, and they gave all their leftovers to God in their sacrifices and offerings. And finally, God, through Jeremiah, said, A day is coming when the old way that God set before you is going to come to an end. And there's going to be a new promise, a new contract, a new covenant. Well, we're going to talk about the new covenant this morning. I suppose we should talk about what the old covenant was. The old covenant was given to God's children of Israel, shortly after they exited uh, slavery in Egypt, you know, and they passed by or over uh, through the Red Sea by that great miracle of God and 
and arrived on the other side and, and spent a year at Mount Sinai, and God gave uh, the people all the commands, gave them the Ten Commandments on a two stone tablets. He told them that you're going to have an elite privileged priesthood, and only the priests are going to offer your sacrifices. And by the way, you're going to have to offer a lot of sacrifices of animals. And only the priests are the de designated teachers of the people. But the biggest command that God gave was his two-sided covenant or contract. Way, way back there at Mount Sinai, he told his people, if you obey me and my commandments, I will be your God and you will be my people. If you obey my commandments, I will take care of you and love you. If you disobey me, I will punish you. Jeremiah said one day that old covenant was coming to an end. What was going to change? Well, for one thing, God was going to shift his attention from just one nation, the children of Israel, from whom the Savior would be born, and make his invitation for forgiveness and eternity to all the nations. And he wouldn't write his message on two tablets of stone. He would write it right into people's hearts. And there wouldn't be any priests anymore, those elite privileged people who alone could speak to God and alone could teach the people and alone could offer the sacrifices. And then the promise of the Savior, which is the first and foremost in the new covenant or promise. He says, I will forgive you and remember your sins no more. No longer now is this a two-way contract, you know, you obey and I take care of you. Now, I do everything. Of course, this wonderful promise of Jeremiah was carried out by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he died on the cross, took away the sins of the whole world. Whoever believes shall have eternal life. That's the new covenant kind of interesting how covenants were made in the Old Testament. It's kind of gory. Let's say two men came together and they wanted to make arrangements for the uh, purchase of a piece of property. This price, okay, you get that much land. Each one of those men would bring an animal. It could be a bull, it could be a sheep, a ram, whatever, to the covenant ceremony. And what each man would do was chop his animal in half. And then they would take the two halves of the one man, separate them. The other guy would take his two halves, separate them. And first of all, one guy would walk through the halved animals. And then the other guy would walk through the middle of those animals laying there in half. And what they were saying to each other was, if either one of us breaks this covenant, may what happened to these animals happen to us. A two-sided deal. You do your part, I'll do my part, everything's fine. I know that a good share of you out there are either leasing a car right now or making payments to purchase one. You know how it goes. Either you get that little coupon monthly, you know, or else you can do it by uh, electronically. The payment comes, you make the payment. You know what the contract is that you signed on the dotted line? 
you continue to make a payment every month, you can keep the car. You stop making your payments, they come and they take the car. A two-sided contract. How about a contract like this? You go to the dealership, you want to buy a new car, and the dealer comes out and says, pick any car, any vehicle you want on the lot, because I'm going to give it to you for free. Anyone you want for free. And um, no payments. Oh, and the, another thing, too, so that the car doesn't get obsolete. Stop in every six months and get a new car for free. No payments. Oh, and by the way, we also throw in the gas and the insurance. And I'll have to tell you, if you even try to make a payment, the contract is null and void. So sign on the dotted line. And oh, I have to tell you, too, if you tell anybody else, your friends, they can have the same deal. So what's your reaction? Oh, come on, it never happened. That's too good to be true. That's the new covenant. Jesus Christ does everything. Instead of punishing you, he punishes his son. He forgives every wrong that you possibly ever did, are doing, or will do. And now there is nothing that you can do or have to do because it's all for free. By grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that nobody can boast. Secondly, in the new covenant, the new promise, it's all a matter not of obligation, but of opportunity. If I went and I got that free car and now it was my six-month time to turn over and get a new one and I walked up to the dealer, you think I'd say, Sir, I hope you have a lousy day and I really hate this deal. You know what you'd probably do is you'd probably find out when that guy's birthday is, or maybe when his kid's birthday is, and send them birthday cards, uh, maybe an occasional thank you card. And every time that you got into the vehicle, you'd probably think about him and say, boy, that guy is really generous. What a nice guy. Someone, when they hear of God's covenant, might say, well, you know, it's too good to be true. I mean, it's all for free through Jesus Christ. Well, then I can live any way that I want. I can do anything because they're all for, sins are all forgiven. I mean, if you got a free car, as you drove it around, would you try to wreck it? Would you try to get yourself a sledgehammer and put a whole bunch of dents in before the next six months car? Christians get free forgiveness. And they don't want to live any way that they think they can. They want to do what pleases God. Because they want to say thank you for gifts received. No obligation, simply opportunity. Well, how do we know what it is that pleases God so that we can say thank you? Well, you know the Bible is full of God's wishes for you. Obey your parents. Worship God regularly. 
bring your regular offerings to the altar. Be a faithful husband. Be a faithful wife. Be honest. And do all of that not because you're obligated, not for a reward, because your reward has already been guaranteed, eternal life in heaven. No, this is a new covenant. We love because he first loved us. In God's kingdom, everything is upside down. And when it comes to serving the Lord out of thanksgiving, then it's a matter not of selfishness, but selflessness. Which brings us to the gospel for this morning. James and John with their little conversation with Jesus in order to be re really understand the impact you have to understand the verses that just came before. Jesus very explicitly talked to his disciples. He said, the Son of Man is going to suffer and die by the hands of sinful men and rise again on the third day. Right over their heads. Because only a few moments later, James and John come up to Jesus and they said, Jesus, uh, us too, we got, we, we wanna, you got to do a favor for us? Well, what is that? Well, one of us would like to sit at your right hand when you come into your throne and, and, and another on your left hand in your throne room. Uh, in other words, one of us should be, we think, vice president and the other one should at least be secretary of state. What a misunderstanding they had of what God's kingdom is all about. Not a throne in Jerusalem, but a throne on the cross. But James and John, they were after prestige, power, authority. They could be close to the top, next to number one. I mean, that thinking is all throughout the world, isn't it? Go out and make sure you get a good education so you can make money. And if you're really aggressive, you know, you can start at the bottom, but you try to work your way up for more money and more prestige. You might say the world's concept is sort of like a pyramid. I mean, you can picture the pyramids in Egypt, can't you? You know, with all the stones on the bottom, and then they gradually get up to the top, and then the top, there's only one up there. That's how the world operates. And along comes Jesus, and he says, but that's not the way it's going to be among you. In fact, Jesus' service in, in uh, Jesus' kingdom is all about an upside-down pyramid. Could you imagine taking one of those pyramids in Egypt and turning it upside down and having just that one stone on the bottom? Boy, that would be a lot of weight that that stone would have to hold up. Jesus said, but that's not the way it to be among you. Whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. Whoever wants to be most important among you will be a slave for everyone. Now, I suppose we could go through a laundry list of how we can serve others and be that stone on the bottom. Who is it in your life that needs you to lift them up in prayer? or with your comforting words. You could visit the sick. You can volunteer for all sorts of things, stuffing Easter eggs. First Friday, Vacation Bible School, Mercy Ministry. There's a whole bunch of ways to serve others. 
but I think the highest service to others is if I get a free car for life and know that the dealer told me that if I tell anybody else that they can, too can have the same deal, why wouldn't you want everybody that you knew to know about something like that? To know what you have in your contract. You see, that's what God's kingdom is all about, inside and outside. When everything is said and done, everything in God's kingdom is totally upside down. It's a one-sided contract that God gives you. Everything done for you through Jesus Christ, life eternal. No obligations, no payment for rewards of eternal life. Instead, a lifetime of opportunity to say thank you and live for the one who died and rose again so that you might have eternal life. Not selfishly trying to work our way to the top, you might say, but rather, in God's kingdom, trying to work our way to the bottom, supporting and helping and serving. What an example we have to follow. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What an upside-down world it is that we live in in God's kingdom. He does everything. All we do is stand there with open hands as the recipients. We serve selflessly, not as an obligation, but as an opportunity. God's kingdom is completely upside-down. And what a wonderful place to be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please stand. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, 
and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time together, our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.